Donald Trump has his MAGA morons convinced he's a multi-billionaire. That's why he's selling sneakers, because he's loaded. That's why he's looting his super PAC to pay his legal fees, because he's loaded. Trump just lost a civil fraud trial in New York, where he was found guilty of defrauding lenders by forging his financial documents to convince them he was wealthy in order to trick them into lending him hundreds of millions of dollars at favorable interest rates. He lied about his wealth to the lenders the same way he lies about his wealth to the MAGA morons who vote for him. And throughout that trial and after, after he lost, he kept insisting, I'm a fabulously wealthy man. I didn't inflate my financials. I don't need to. I'm a multi-billionaire. I'm innocent. And so the judge in that case, Judge Arthur N. Gorin, basically said, well, prove it. You say you're wealthy. You say you didn't forge your documents. Prove it. I'm fining you half a billion dollars. Prove it. Come up with half a billion dollars and pay this fine. Surely a man of your considerable wealth can part with a mere trifling, like a half a billion dollars. And Trump said, I'm appealing your ruling. And Judge Angoran said, fine, but you still have to pay up. That's how it works here in New York State. You pay the half a billion dollars and we put it in an escrow account. And if you win on appeal, you get to have it all back. But if you lose on appeal, the state of New York keeps it all. That's the law. That's how it works. And Trump said, well, I need more time to pay it. And the judge said, 30 days. You got 30 days to come up with half a billion dollars. And every day you don't pay, I tack on $100,000 per day. This week, Alina Haba, Trump's attorney, who famously said it's more important to be pretty than smart, went before an appeals judge and stated what all of us here in New York have known for decades. She said one word, impossible. Impossible. It is impossible for my client, Donald J. Trump, to come up with half a billion dollars. Impossible. The best he can do, maybe, is 100 million. And the appeals judge said half a billion. And Alina Haba said, impossible, he doesn't have it. Donald Trump pled poverty this week. Wake up, you MAGA morons. I'll have more on this later in the show. We'll crunch the numbers. The Federal Reserve has two mandates, get unemployment down to 4%, inflation down to 2%. It does that 
by lowering and raising interest rates. When inflation is high, the Fed raises interest rates to cool off the economy by making it expensive to borrow money, thereby triggering a rise in unemployment, which means less demand for goods and services, so inflation goes down. To lower unemployment, the Fed lowers interest rates, which makes it cheaper to borrow money. Cheaper money means the economy expands, and with that comes more work, and we are led to believe a little inflation. But Joe Biden is rewriting every economics textbook. For nearly two years, we have seen unemployment hovering below 4% which is considered full employment. And while inflation spiked during COVID, it has gradually come down, despite trillions of dollars of fiscal spending juicing our economy, which conservatives still claim, even though they're lying, they're claiming that the trillions he pumped into the economy has caused rampant inflation. It didn't. Inflation is down to 2.4%. Inflation is caused by supply chain issues, global oil supply, and of course, greed. And the Fed came out with new numbers yesterday. Inflation. Now, this is the number the Fed works off. Inflation in January, like I just said, came in at 2.4% down from December's 2.6%. Remember I told you the sweet spot is 2%? Plus, wage growth is outpacing inflation. The Fed is now in the fine-tuning phase of this economic cycle, where it's going to be lowering and raising interest rates slightly to keep the economy exactly where it is right now. Now, while our economy doesn't work for half this country, that's not what this is about. President Biden took the job of president. And when you're president, these are the numbers you work. These are the yardsticks that comprise your report card. Economic growth, job growth, inflation. All presidents work these numbers. Like I said, it's the report card, and Biden is getting straight A's while at the same time growing our economy from the bottom up. Now, the news is horrible and depressing. Richard Lewis died. Gaza, unspeakable atrocities in Gaza. Ukraine, unspeakable. And Trump. But when history is written, economists will look back at the Biden years as a golden age of both monetary and fiscal policy. What we need is a landslide in November, a complete repudiation of Donald Trump and MAGA politics, which offers nothing but lies. There is still much work to be done, but Joe Biden has accomplished more for the middle class and those falling through the cracks 
than any president since Lyndon Baines Johnson. The difference is Biden, unlike LBJ, Biden isn't running an overheated economy by fighting an illegal war in Vietnam. You see, LBJ was a mixed bag. Great on civil rights, great on lifting millions out of poverty, but he killed millions and millions in Southeast Asia. Joe Biden, on the other hand, is not a mixed bag. He pulled us out of Afghanistan. And despite what Republicans insist, he has not gotten us in to two wars. Gaza and Ukraine are unspeakable human rights atrocities. But Joe Biden didn't tell Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine. He didn't tell Hamas to attack Israel on October 7th. And he didn't tell Benjamin Netanyahu to respond by salting over Gaza. Joe Biden deserves to be reelected by a landslide. Is he too old? I say he's not old enough. The reason Joe Biden is getting things done is because he has the wisdom to focus on the prize, the prize, which is winning prize pieces of legislation. I know people are suffering in this country, in Gaza and Ukraine, but Joe Biden isn't God. He's not even king. He has a Republican House, plus Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, and a Supreme Court that's bordering on treasonous. We're asking Joe Biden to be Franklin Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln at the same time. We're asking Joe Biden to lift our economy, defeat COVID, stop Putin, control Netanyahu, while at the same time keep a lid on about 30% of our population that's aching for a civil war. The latest polls show that most Americans say they're doing better now than they were four years ago, but they believe America isn't which means Americans are relying on empirical evidence when it comes to their own finances, but believe the propaganda silos when it comes to our country's finances. The stock market closed at a record high yesterday. Student debt is getting forgiven. Joe Biden has forgiven about $150 billion in student debt, despite what the Supreme Court ruled. It now looks like Joe Biden and our odious Speaker Mike Johnson are about to lift millions out of poverty by bringing back an expanded child tax credit. The child tax credit is about to get expanded. And you know why? Because Biden is willing to give Mike Johnson all the credit. This is our system. This is our system. A system that Joe Biden is a creature of. He's 81 and joined the Senate in 1973. 
He's been doing this for 51 years. I want him flying the plane. I don't care if he's drooling and can't talk. I measure our leaders by results. The American Rescue Plan pumped nearly $2 trillion into our economy his first weeks in office. 200 million doses of the COVID vaccine went out the door within the first 100 days. Remember COVID? Remember COVID? The World Health Organization just said COVID is no longer a global emergency. People still catch COVID, but it's no longer a death sentence because Joe Biden distributed hundreds and hundreds of millions of vaccines because unlike Donald Trump, Joe Biden knows how to work the levers of power. He invoked the Defense Production Act and got protective gear to all the first responders on the front lines fighting COVID. That was something Donald Trump had no idea how to do. He revoked the permit for the Keystone Pipeline. He signed dozens of executive orders reining in fossil fuels. He even got Republicans to sign on to the most significant piece of gun control legislation since the assault weapons ban of 1994. Violent crime spiked during Donald Trump's last year in office. And now, thanks to Joe Biden, it's back down approaching record lows. Black unemployment, female unemployment, unemployment for the disabled and the LGBTQ community are all at record lows. The CHIPS Act invested billions of dollars into American factories and universities to make sure this country no longer relies on China to provide us with the chips we need to take the next giant technological leap that combines the internet with artificial intelligence and virtual reality. The Bipartisan Infrastructure Act is rebuilding our roads, bridges, internet, and water supply with good-paying, often union jobs that are specifically aimed at making America carbon neutral in the next 20 years. The Inflation Reduction Act gives Medicare the power to negotiate the price of drugs with Big Pharma. He capped the price of insulin for seniors. The Inflation Reduction Act taxes stock buybacks and corporations who hide their money overseas. And despite Republicans fighting him tooth and nail, the Inflation Reduction Act provides our Internal Revenue Service with close to $60 billion so it can hire an army of accountants to audit the very wealthy and claw back the taxes they don't pay. I've been around for a long time. No president in my lifetime has done this much. He accomplished, Joe Biden accomplished all this for the very same reason his approval ratings are in the dumper. He's soft-spoken. He has humility and faith. Faith that if you lower your head, keep your voice down, and do the people's work, 
come election day, they will finally notice. People say we have no choice in November when it comes to Trump and Biden. I say we do. I say we have Trump, a liar, a cheat, an immoral con man who is loud, a braggart who doesn't understand how a bill becomes law or how to work the system, which is why one million Americans died from COVID because of him. That's one choice. The other choice is the complete opposite of Donald Trump, Joe Biden. Leave a comment over at my website or here at my channel and tell me how much better this country is doing for you now that Joe Biden is our president. Leave a comment and tell me why you're voting for Joe Biden. Don't trash Trump. We know he's shit. Put into writing, put into words in the comment section why you support Joe Biden. I'm done with the MAGA trolls and the Russian troll farms thinking they can flood my website or my YouTube channel trying to create the illusion that there are more of them than there are of us. Leave a comment here and then copy and paste your comment and leave it everywhere else. Just because Joe Biden is soft-spoken about his accomplishments, it doesn't mean we have to be. Make the case for Joe Biden and the Democrats with facts. Forget Donald Trump. Forget his MAGA morons. Get your talking points down. Post them here with hyperlinks if you want. And then go out and make the case for Joe Biden and the Democrats. Hunter Biden testified behind closed doors before that sham impeachment committee yesterday, and I'm reading the testimony. They released it. He was brilliant, combative, interrupting Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, mocking them, never pled the fifth, unlike the Trump family, never pled the fifth, answered all their questions, and kept reminding the Republicans that their key witness... Their key witness who they used to build this entire case on was just indicted by the special counsel. Hunter Biden kept reminding the Republicans that Alexander Smirnoff, the FBI informant who fed Republicans the lie that then Vice President Joe Biden took a $5 million bribe from the Ukrainian gas company Burisma to push for the firing of Ukraine's top prosecutor, to protect Burisma from being investigated. Smirnoff, Hunter reminded the Republicans, was indicted two weeks ago by the very same special counsel who indicted me, Hunter Biden. This is a lie about Joe Biden taking a $5 million bribe, a lie we are now learning that was fed to the Republicans through Russian intelligence, Alexander Smirnov was working with Russian intelligence. And going over the transcript of yesterday's closed-door testimony, Hunter, much to the Republicans' chagrin, wouldn't stop reminding House Republicans that their key witness, 
just got indicted by the same special counsel who just indicted me for not paying my taxes. Hunter Biden has paid his taxes. He made good. He paid paid all his taxes. He didn't pay close to a million during his, uh, he was in the throes of addiction. But he made good on it. He's paid it back. But he's been indicted. Here is a great exchange between Matt Gates and Hunter. Hunter is the son. Gates is the son of a wealthy Republican politician down in Florida. Everything has been handed to Matt Gates. His dad is giving him talking points. His father, Matt Gates's father, was president of the Florida Senate and has helped Matt Gates every step of the way, including some say uh, covering up some <laughs> really bad crimes. Really bad crimes, crimes that the House Ethics Committee isn't even looking into. So this is uh, Hunter Biden uh, going head to head with Matt Gates. Gates. So it sounds like your finances were pretty interwoven, interwoven with Joe Biden. And uh, people started laughing because it came out of nowhere. And Abby Lowell, Hunter's attorney, said, well, the records show that we are all laughing because they were laughing. Hunter said, I mean, are you are you kidding me? No, I don't. Again, Gates. So do you? And then Hunter Biden said, dripping with sarcasm, I'm sorry, Mr. Gates. I'll try to take you seriously, but it's hard to do. (laughs) It was not a good closed door session. Now, if you remember, Hunter and Abby Lowell wanted to do it on national television You see why the Republicans said, no, it's got to go behind closed doors. It's a miracle that they've released the transcript, which is delicious. I'm going to finish reading it after I wrap up here. So uh, that was an exchange yesterday between Matt Gates and Hunter Biden, two uh, sons of politicians, uh, troubled, both troubled, I think Hunter Biden is a better man than Matt Gates, And then there's Lauren Boebert's oldest son. Now, I was reluctant to mention this. Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania warned us to stop rejoicing in the legal travails of the Boebert family. If you remember, Lauren and her ex-husband Jason Boebert, Boebert are divorced. She had to get a restraining order taken out on him after police arrested Jason for physically assaulting their oldest son. Jason Boebert reportedly pointed a gun at their oldest son when he called 911 and then pointed a gun at his own head, threatening to pull the trigger. I bring this up because Lauren Boebert was elected as a gun rights candidate. She's all in on 2A. That's not her apartment. That's the Second Amendment. She's all in on 2A. And she tries to walk around the Capitol wearing her Glock. Neighbors say the Boberts are a nightmare. Speeding around corners where children are playing. The police have been called out to their home countless times. Like they're trained attack dogs going after people's pets. Now... It's one thing to constantly get arrested and make a mess out of your life. 
we all do that. But these people own guns. They point these guns at members of their own family and at themselves. Uh, I'd like to know why Jason Bobert is still allowed to possess a gun. Don't we have red flag laws? Uh, I don't delight in their suffering. I don't. I really don't. But she calls herself a Christian nationalist who opposes same-sex marriage. She is the first one to cast stones. And while I feel sorry for her son, it's worth noting what a failure Lauren Boebert is as a mother, a 37-year-old grandmother, and a Christian. You are a failure, Lauren Boebert, as a Christian. You are anything but a disciple of Christ. You've got an ex-husband who was just arrested, a son who was just arrested and charged with five felonies. Apparently, he was a one-man crime wave. The son was a one-man crime wave in Rifle, Colorado. And in his spare time, filming porn. That's according to the police. Now, he's finally 18. He's got a child. And there are still minors in the Bobert family. Obviously, Lauren Bobert, the faithful Christian she claims to be, does not belong 2,000 miles away in Washington, D.C., chasing fame and fortune. Lauren Bobert belongs back home taking care of her children because someone needs to because your husband has been arrested. You need to be back home practicing the traditional Christian values you speak of. California votes next week in a jungle primary to determine who will be on the ballot in November to fill the Senate seat vacated last year by the death of Dianne Feinstein, who held it for decades. Now, California is deep blue, which means this seat is going to a Democrat. It's an embarrassment of riches. We have three terrific Democratic members of the House who are vying for the Senate seat. They are the great Adam Schiff, the great Katie Porter, and my personal favorite, Barbara Lee. All three of them, fantastic. Barbara Lee is the best. The latest polling shows Adam Schiff in the lead. Coming in second is the Republican Steve Garvey. It's a jungle primary, okay? Steve Garvey uh, was a professional baseball, baseball player. So think Tommy Tuberville or Tuberville, but less racist. Okay, like I said, it's a jungle primary, which means you could end up with two Democrats on the ballot in November. Barbara Lee, unfortunately, doesn't look like she's going to make it. But Katie Porter could come in second, which means you could have Adam Schiff running against Katie Porter, splitting the Democratic vote. Schiff doesn't want that. He's got a huge war chest. I think he's got close to $40 million. So Schiff, who is in first place, has spent 
$12 million to elevate Republican Steve Garvey. He's buying ad time for Steve Garvey. Meanwhile, according to the latest FEC filing, Steve Garvey has only spent about a million and a half. Schiff has spent $12 million on Garvey, which is about $11 million more than Garvey has spent on Garvey. Katie Porter, according to the Washington Post, is furious. Schiff slyly responded, she runs her campaign the way she wants. I'm running it the way I want. This is the mop-up for March 1st, 2024. I'm David Feldman. Thank you for finding me. Please register to vote and then make sure you help three other people register to vote and make sure they get their ballots mailed to them or walk them to the polling station. Make sure, just take responsibility for three other people. Spend one hour a week between now and Election Day volunteering with the Democratic Party. One hour a week, that's all it takes. And organize your talking points. Back them up with facts and only talk with people who you think you can sway. An hour spent talking to a MAGA Republican is an hour not spent winning over independence while making sure Democrats show up in November. This is not about defeating the Republicans and Trump. It's about outnumbering them. This is a fight, not a physical fight, but it is a fight. And when you get into the ring, you don't try to convince your opponent to give up. You knock them out. This is about winning. This is about knocking out the other side. You will never win an argument with a MAGA Republican, and you certainly won't win it on social media. It's why I have strict community guidelines here on my channel. In order to comment on my channel, we have strict community guidelines. There's nothing to debate when it comes to Joe Biden. I want to win. If you're not voting for Joe Biden, go away. You're not welcome to comment on my page. After November, we can debate policy, but not now. And if you listen to this show for the past, I don't know, how long have I been doing this? 15 years? I've been pretty consistent about this. There's a season for infighting, and there's a season for coming together. This is the season we stick together not interested right now in all the things Biden should have done or how Democrats screwed Bernie. It's go time. Get to work for the party and get out of my way. Ferguson, Missouri has settled a class action suit agreeing to pay thousands of African Americans a total of only $4.5 million dollars for arresting them on trumped-up charges and placing them in what is being called a modern-day debtor's prison. During the final years of the Obama administration, the Justice Department accused Ferguson police of paying their bills and the city's bills by going out of their way to arrest black drivers for minor infractions 
and then placing them in a permanent cycle of debt with fine after fine, along with interest rates tacked on that bordered on the usurious. Usurious? Usurious. I think I pronounced that right. Now, Ferguson is just one of thousands of small towns across America that pay their bills by what I call mining poor people, especially African-Americans, arresting them arbitrarily, then charging them exorbitant fines that are impossible to be paid, resulting in jail sentences where they serve as a source of free labor. Never forget, in Texas right now, we have black inmates picking cotton for free in Texas. Okay? In Texas right now, there are black people behind bars picking cotton for free. Hungary's right-wing Christian nationalist leader, Viktor Orban, will visit Mar-a-Lago next week to meet with America's right-wing Christian nationalist leader, Donald Trump. Orban has created a transatlantic nexus, joining far-right conservatives in Hungary and America. While Hungary is a member of NATO, Orban is reported to have received much of his backing from Vladimir Putin, which explains why Orban slow-walked Sweden joining NATO, which happened last week, and it's why he tried to block the EU's $55 billion funding for Ukraine in Ukraine's war against Vladimir Putin. He also tried to block economic sanctions imposed on Putin and his oligarchs after the illegal invasion of Ukraine. Members of the European Parliament are circulating a petition to remove Hungary's voting rights because of this. Hungary has also come under criticism in the EU for its illiberal, anti-democratic policies. Viktor Orban opposes immigration, insisting Hungarians will never become a mixed race. He's a blood and soil MAGA Republican. It's why Viktor Orban is meeting with Donald Trump. An Illinois judge has kicked Donald Trump off his state's ballot, citing Section 3 of the Fourth Amendment, 14th Amendment, which bans anyone from holding elective office if they swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and then participated in an insurrection. The judge then issued a stay on his own order, saying it will not go into effect until the Supreme Court issues its decision on whether to uphold the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to remove Trump's name from that state's ballot. It is generally agreed the Supreme Court will rule in favor of Trump on this one. But kudos to Lawrence Tribe and all the lawyers out there who got it that far and this quickly. I always thought it was doubtful but worth trying. I I never thought we'd see Trump's name scrubbed in Illinois, Maine, and Colorado. But we have. The court will most definitely reverse those rulings. But to all of you who sometimes feel alienated, frightened, and alone, 
There are millions and millions of good Americans fighting for this country. And no matter what happens on Election Day, they're not going to stop. So join them. Join the fight. Fight for your country one hour a week. Get to work for the Democratic Party one hour a week. At the very least, go down fighting. Florida Republican Senator Rick Scott is running for re-election, and he's endorsed Donald Trump, telling reporters that even if Trump is convicted of a crime, I'm still voting for him. Well, it makes sense for Rick Scott to say that. Before becoming a politician, Rick Scott ran a hospital chain that ended up paying the largest health care fine in U.S. history after the Justice Department charged Rick Scott with ripping off Medicare to the tune of $1 billion. His company paid $1.7 billion in fines in what remains the single largest Medicare fraud in U.S. history. He should have gone to jail. Instead, he became governor of Florida, and now he's running for re-election as the Republican senator from that state. If you live in Florida, what are you waiting for? How is this not the number one story in Florida? How is it possible that voters in Florida have no idea that Rick Scott stole more than a billion dollars from Medicare? Jesus Christ. You know, it's he should be in jail, but... You know, you got to blame, we have to blame ourselves for not getting the word out on this guy. People need to know that he stole a billion dollars from Medicare. And he's a creep. Well, some disappointing news this week. The Supreme Court agreed to hear Donald Trump's presidential immunity appeal. A Washington Circuit Court upheld a lower court's ruling that Donald Trump didn't enjoy absolute immunity for any crimes he may have committed as president. So the lower courts got it right because this has been settled law since 1982 in Nixon versus Fitzgerald. I've gone over this. Nixon versus Fitzgerald, look it up. It's The court ruled that a president... Now, listen to me on this. The court ruled, this is settled law. A president cannot be sued for damages in a civil court after leaving office. He cannot be sued for any actions he took in the role as president, okay? But the court in Nixon versus Fitzgerald specifically said that a former president can be brought up on criminal charges after he leaves office for any crimes he may have committed as president. That's what the Supreme Court says. This is why Gerald Ford had a pardon Richard Nixon. It's why Bill Clinton made a plea deal with Ken Starr after getting caught lying under oath during the Paula Jones deposition, which was taken while he was president. Bill Clinton... It was a sting operation, but going by the law, he committed a crime 
as president. He lied under oath and denied that he had sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky. That's a crime he committed as president when he left office. Ken Starr came after him, and Bill Clinton made a plea deal. There's no such thing as absolute immunity. It is insane that our court is hearing this case. This court should have let stand the D.C. Circuit Court's ruling. A president does not have absolute immunity. And so many of you in the comments section have posted, it's really brilliant, a lot of you had what I call simultaneous combustion. Oh, it was amazing. You wrote, if the Supreme Court rules a president has absolute immunity, they have to, if they're going to do that, they have to issue this ruling by June while Joe Biden is president, then what is to stop Joe Biden from canceling the election, ordering his Secret Service to arrest Donald Trump? I mean, if a president has absolute immunity, then it's, you know, if it's legal for Donald Trump to order people to storm the Capitol, then Joe Biden should be free to invoke one of the hundreds of emergency powers at his disposal right now and start locking up Trump and all the other treasonous Putin-following traitors in the Republican Party. Well, thank you for those comments. A lot of you basically said that. Obviously, the court isn't going to say Trump has immunity. But what they are doing is dignifying his claim and buying him time to delay. The conservatives on this court are not going to remove his name from the ballot, okay? They're not going to honor the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. That's pretty much a given. They're going to say in that ruling, it's up to the American people to decide whether Donald Trump led an insurrection, whether or not he's eligible to be president. Now, by taking the immunity appeal, they are slowing the wheels of justice down to a crawl so that the ultimate arbiter on the election interference case, as well as the classified documents case, they're, they're slowing it down so that it will be the American people in November who become the ultimate arbiter, not the courts. It's a chicken shit ruling. That's what this court, at least the conservative majority, wants. They want to keep kicking this down the road because they're afraid of Trump. They want us to decide if he's a criminal. But that's not how it works. We don't vote on whether or not somebody's guilty or innocent. That's what we have a criminal justice system for and a Supreme Court for. The conservatives on this court are betting that if Trump wins, well, he's probably going to get away with shutting down the federal investigations. Probably, not really, who knows. But he'll probably get away with shutting down special counsel Jack Smith's office. They're also betting that when he loses in November, then let the trials commence. That's what the conservatives on the court want because they don't want Trump convicted before November. They want the American people 
to be responsible for deciding whether or not Trump is guilty or innocent. They don't want the courts to decide. Now, I'm just telling you what the conservatives are thinking. They're trying to protect the courts by hiding. It's chicken shit. This is not the uh, burger court in 73 and 74 taking care of Nixon. Arguments on immunity are scheduled for mid-April. Perhaps the court will hand hand down a ruling the very next day. We, some say we may get a ruling the day after the arguments. Who knows? Uh, the Burger Court during Watergate, it was the Burger Court, right? I think it was the Burger Court. The Burger Court, boom, they issued their rulings on the tapes immediately. Some are catastrophizing and saying they will wait until June before they issue a ruling on presidential immunity. Right now, most people are doing a worst-case scenario where the court waits until June, right before their summer recess, to rule on presidential immunity. And the timing of their ruling, in effect, will be a ruling in and of itself. When they issue their ruling... If they issue it in April, the t- that's a ruling. The speed is a ruling. Or if they wait till June, that's a ruling. The longer they take, the less likely we will see a conviction before November. If they wait until June to tell us what we already know, that there is no such thing as presidential immunity, the court will have lost its last remaining shred of legitimacy. And after Joe Biden's re-election, it will be time to seriously consider expanding the number of judges who sit on that court. There's nothing written into the Judiciary Act that we have to cap the number of judges at nine. We can have a hundred judges if we want. But in order to do that, we need more than 60 Democrats in the Senate to overcome a filibuster. So we need a blowout election, a landslide in November. And that's, I hate to break it to you, but these days a landslide is impossible. I mean, Joe Biden beat Trump by 7 million votes By today's standards, that's kind of a landslide. So special counsel Jack Smith has two trials. There's the D.C. election interference trial where the immunity ruling originated. And then there is the classified documents trial down in Miami where a Trump-friendly judge seems to be slow-walking Trump's trial for violating the Espionage Act. Yes, Donald Trump has been indicted for violating the Espionage Act. Not only that, that case is a slam dunk for Jack Smith. They say of all the cases, that's the easiest conviction. Uh, The D.C. election interference case 
should be a slam dunk, but as you can see from the presidential immunity question rising from that courtroom to the Supreme Court, it's a little trickier. A lot more, there are a lot of working parts to the D.C. election interference case. And, uh, you know, we are witnessing a master class in delay, delay, delay. That's what we're seeing. It's Tom and Jerry. It's the roadrunner. Every time we think we get Trump, the wall painted to look like it's an escape hatch turns out to be a real escape hatch, and he runs through it, and we have to wait until the following Saturday morning for the next episode to see if he gets caught. It's very frustrating. But I'll talk about that in a second. I have words of wisdom that I want to impart on that, why we should be enjoying this and not... Because I went into a... Yesterday when I read about the Supreme Court and then Richard Lewis and Gaza and Ukraine, I just, and then I thought about it and I have some thoughts. Anyway, Trump's attorneys on Thursday requested a start date uh, for the Miami trial. They wanted to start in August. They want Donald Trump to go on trial for violating the Espionage Act. In August, special counsel Jack Smith responded by asking for a July date. And all this presupposes the inevitable ruling that there's no such thing as presidential immunity. The consensus seems to be that if the court doesn't rule until June, and that will be, there's no such thing as presidential immunity, then the trials in D.C. and Miami could be up and running by late summer, early fall. But nobody knows if there will be any convictions by election day. So why is this happening? How did Trump pull this off? Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars donated to his super PAC are being spent on lawyers. When you have hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, not your own, to spend on lawyers, this is what you get. You get to give the wheels of justice a flat tire. Nobody is even sure that this is legal. Nobody's quite sure if Trump is allowed to take money from donors saying, give to me, I want to investigate election fraud. And people go, okay. And then the money gets spent on committing fraud, using the money to pay his lawyers. If Trump didn't have access to those donations, he'd be in prison right now. How is it possible donations to a super PAC can be used on legal fees without the people making those donations knowing that it's going to legal fees? When I talk to MAGA Republicans... They don't know the money's going to legal fees. They go, that's not, that's fake news, data mail, cuck. No, it's really going, your money, no, not true, not true. That's, they say, that's against the law. Well, it should be. Uh, Okay. 
Now, I was upset about the Supreme Court ruling this week, not letting the lower court's decision on presidential immunity stand. But I've been thinking about this, and we have to start looking at the evisceration of Donald Trump as a full-course meal. You want it to last. You want to savor each plate. There's a lot to process here. Different flavors. Don't be a heathen. Don't guzzle. Take your time. For instance, the Manhattan DA's criminal trial begins late this month. Has nothing to do with the immunity question. This trial is full steam ahead. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. Soup is now being served. Trump overthrowing the government. That trial, think of that as the banana pudding parfait that we get at the end. That's the delicious dessert of him being convicted of trying to overthrow the government and being sent off to prison for the rest of his life. That's the banana pudding parfait. And try to imagine if somehow Jack Smith served us the banana pudding parfait this month and Trump was convicted for January 6th. Would that make you happy? There'd be no room left for the, the dinner salad of violating campaign finance law by paying hush money to Stormy Daniels. And of course, the, there's the filet mignon of violating the Espionage Act. Don't you want to savor that? We get to wash it down with a vintage cabernet of paying half a billion dollars to the state of New York for defrauding banks and insurers. And don't forget, before that dessert, we're going to need an aperitif of the $83.3 million Eugene Carroll judgment. And then, after all that, we can belch, loosen our pants, and then savor the banana pudding parfait of locking Donald Trump up for life because on January 6th, he committed an act of treason. What I'm saying is enjoy the meal. Take your time. Where are we on the menu? Where are we? Well, I think it's the third course, the Manhattan criminal trial. I think that's our third course. A lot of people think it's small change, but DA Alvin Bragg is working with Letitia James, who's the New York State Attorney General. They're coordinating on this. Letitia James was the one who brought the Trump organization to its knees with that massive civil fraud trial. You know, the half a billion dollar fine that he's got to pay in the next couple of weeks. She says, she had a press conference. She said, Donald, I'm eyeing 40 Wall Street. She's coming for the properties. More about that in a second. So the Manhattan DA, his civil fraud trial, uh, that starts this month. And the portions might be small on the plate, but they're rich and savory. 
This trial coming up is all about fraud. Phony documents trying to hide hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. It is an extension of the civil fraud trial. But this is a criminal trial. The civil fraud trial and this trial in Manhattan are brothers and sisters. We know that Trump's CFO, Alan Weisselberg, who already did five months at Rikers Island for tax fraud, we know he has a possible perjury charge hanging over his head right now because of misleading testimony during the civil fraud trial. Now, he's supposed to testify on Donald Trump's behalf this month in the Manhattan trial. Small, small trial, they say, but from a tiny acorn grows a mighty oak. Who knows what New York State Attorney General Letitia James has worked out with Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. They coordinate. This trial is supposed to be the runt of the litter. There are four criminal trials. This is considered the runt, which means Trump's lawyers have let their guard down on this one. Not a good idea. Runts of the litter bite. And it's never a good idea to underestimate New York State Attorney General Letitia James. She not only won that half a billion dollar civil fraud trial against Donald Trump, in the very same month, she brought down the National Rifle Association. Letitia James single-handedly destroyed the National Rifle Association. Wayne LaPierre, this is the most underreported story of the year. A week ago, a New York jury ruled that Wayne LaPierre, the head of the NRA, and two other executives stole millions from that organization and now have to pay it back. The, she destroyed the NRA. As recently as 2016, the NRA contributed $30 million to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. That was the largest donation to Donald Trump. They were able to come up with $30 million. Now they're trying to file bankruptcy. A lot of people think the money, that $30 million that Wayne LaPierre, the head of the NRA, donated to Donald Trump, a lot of people think that came from Vladimir Putin, that Putin was using the NRA as a straw donor. The NRA is shot. LaPierre quit, humiliated. He's a broken man. He's been proven a fraud. There will be other gun manufacturing lobbyists masquerading as champions of the Second Amendment. But it won't be the National Rifle Association. Letitia James destroyed it. 
Letitia James, New York State Attorney General, destroyed the National Rifle Association. And she destroyed Donald Trump. He has to come up with half a billion dollars this month because of her. And we now know he doesn't have it. Alina Haba, his attorney who says it's more important to be pretty than smart, told the appellate judge, impossible. He cannot come up with half a billion dollars. All he can find is $100 million. He's busy traveling around the country telling everyone, or at least his MAGA morons, he's a billionaire. But New York State Attorney General Letitia James proved the emperor has no diapers. The emperor has no diapers. He is broke. He needs to come up with a half a billion dollars. He doesn't have half a billion dollars. Get out your calculators. Now, the New York Times, let's do this. The New York Times estimated Trump has about somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 million in bonds and cash. And again, this is why if he weren't spending the MAGA moron's money on lawyers, he'd be in prison. He's not going to spend two. He doesn't. So he's got two hundred fifty million dollars in bonds and cash. Okay, that's according to the New York Times. He can't come up with half a billion dollars. And don't forget, where's Melania? Where's Melania? Shouldn't when he wins in Michigan, shouldn't she be standing by his side? There's another fine he's going to have to pay. But I'll get to that in a second. So. He can't come up with half a billion dollars. He's got to find someone willing to give him a bond. And that immediately turns $500 billion, $500 million into $600 million. If I've been saying $500 billion, I misspoke. It's $500 million, half a billion dollars, okay? So if he has to get a bond, and he's going to have to get a bond... And good luck finding somebody who's going to lend him money after he's just been found guilty of inflating his assets in order to secure favorable interest rates on loans. Who in their right mind, Vladimir Putin, would lend him money? So, if somebody gives him a a $500 million bond, that's going to cost him $600 billion. There are fees and interest. $500 billion costs, I'm sorry, $500 million. I apologize. $500 million costs $100 million. And he needs collateral. So get out your calculators. According to Bloomberg, he doesn't own Trump Tower. Those are condos, which means the people living in Trump Tower own pieces of Trump Tower. Michael Jackson bought a condo in Trump Tower. 
the Michael Jackson estate owns that little piece of Trump Tower. Johnny Carson, the talk show host, bought a condo at Trump Tower. It means somebody, one of his heirs, owns a piece of Trump Tower. He only has the penthouse. And that's where Melania is living. And Trump has falsely claimed it's worth $130 million. In other words, he took out loans against that penthouse, convincing the banks it was worth $130 million. But Bloomberg says it's only worth $40 million, right? If you've been following that civil fraud case, he tripled the size of the penthouse. It's only worth $40 million, but you can be sure he borrowed more than $40 million against it. Where is he going to get this money? Plus, it's Melania's. Okay, so let's say that the Times says he has about 250. Let's give him 300 million in bonds and cash if he sells the penthouse. And Melania and her mother are out on the street. Now he has $340 million. He still needs to get to $600 million this month. <laughs> this month. See what I'm talking about? This is a tasty meal that should be... Every dish should be savored. So, what else does he have? Well, there's Trump Park Avenue Tower. Bloomberg says he could get $86 million for it. Well, that gets him to $426 million. But who knows how much he borrowed against that. And all that's left is 40 Wall Street. Bloomberg puts that at $270 million. We know for a fact that he has a $100 million note on that. But let's give him $170 million. That gets him to $596 million. Right? So... Theoretically, he could have a fire sale this month, sell it all, and maybe come up with $596 million. But you have to pay taxes on that. What, what, what is that? What does that bring it down to? $300 million after you pay taxes? And their commissions... And he's got to pay Melania's lawyers for the divorce. And he's got to start paying her. And most importantly, Manhattan real estate is a figment of your imagination. Nothing is worth anything until you actually close on the sale. Donald Trump has pretty much said that. They ask him, what are you worth? And he says, I don't know. It depends how I feel that day. Okay. But let's say he sells all those properties by the end of the month. Now he has no cash to pay the half a billion dollar fine. He has to pay the, pay the fine. He's lost all his New York State real estate and all his cash. What does he have left? Bedminster, who knows how much he really owns of that. And Mar-a-Lago, which is worth, let's be generous, 
$30 million tops. And who knows how much he owns of Mar-a-Lago. That's a club. And people buy memberships and have little pieces of Mar-a-Lago. And how much did he borrow against Mar-a-Lago? There's also the Doral, but that's uh, mortgaged. Who knows how much he owes to Deutsche Bank, which is a money laundering operation for the Russian mob. And of course, he stole from the Russian mafia. We know that. We know they gave him cash. They bought, used cash to buy apartments and he he couldn't resist. He stole from the mob. The guy's pushing 80 and he's selling sneakers. When you're almost 80, do you want to be running around doing what Donald Trump does? So, if you think you're depressed because the Supreme Court won't hear arguments on presidential immunity until mid-April, I say you're a greedy pig. Because look at the sumptuous meal that has been prepared for us by our criminal justice system. I get it. We're children. We want the banana pudding parfait. But stop for a second and appreciate, savor the emotional turmoil Trump is going through right now. The humiliation Let it roll around in your mouth. Right now, Trump is walking into the slaughterhouse. Slowly. He hears the screaming. He knows what's going to happen. Let's not Temple Grandin him. I want him to know he's walking into a slaughterhouse a financial slaughterhouse. And some very bad things are about to happen. I want him to know. And that takes time. Some of you, I get it, you want a kashrut or a halal slaughterhouse where the blades are sharp and the animal doesn't feel any pain. It's over. Boom. I don't want... I don't want a cash root. I want a rusty, hand-cranked bone saw where the animal is still alive until the very end. I want it messy. You know, where they're carving up the Trump organization in Tony's mother's bathtub while it's still breathing. I have no interest and taking the Trump organization out of its misery quickly. I want the Trump organization to die a slow death. I want to watch it bleed out (laughs) for a couple of months. Don't be impatient. There's plenty of time. Let the Trump organization bleed out slowly. Trump's lawyers went before an appeals court and asked for relief this week 
Alina Haba, as I said, told the judge it's impossible for Trump to come up with half a billion dollars. Like I said, those are the words she used, impossible. Savor that. Slow down. Let that sink in. Let the MAGA more. Maybe there are some MAGA morons who will hear that. Who will hear that Donald Trump's lawyer said he can't come up with half a billion dollars. Maybe he can come up with 100 million. Maybe, maybe one or two MAGA morons will realize that he's broke. Maybe a couple of MAGA morons will learn that the appeals court came back with, well, we're asking for half a billion. You're offering a hundred million. How about we compromise and make it half a billion dollars? The art of the deal, Alina, no compromise, no compromise, pay up. And every day you don't pay an extra $100,000 per day. Which explains why Judge Arthur N. Gorin, who came up with the half a billion dollar fine, received a letter with white powder in it yesterday. By the way, his ruling is considered a masterpiece. I've heard that Judge Ngoran has made it impossible for Trump to appeal. Judge Ngoran's ruling is meticulous and legally sound. It's for the ages. It will be studied for years. I've heard that the New York Supreme Court will look at his ruling and won't even entertain an appeal. Enjoy this. It's delicious. And Eugene Carroll's attorney said, pay up this week. $83.3 million, Donald, pay up. And Trump's lawyers said, uh, can we have a delay on that one? And Eugene Carroll's lawyers pretty much said, uh, Wait a second, you raped my client, called her crazy, uh, and now you're asking for us to help you out? Go F yourself. They didn't say that, but they said, no, no, pay up now. Remember, Eugene Carroll won't get $83.3 million when Donald Trump pays, goes into escrow. It's held pending appeal. But that's how New York State rolls. No delay, delay, delay. Pay up. You want to appeal, Donald? Fine. But give us the money now. Give us the money. And where does he get the money? His legal fees are in the hundreds of millions, and that's coming from his super PAC, and nobody's even sure if that's legal. And after he loses the election in November, I'm being told Jack Smith, the special counsel, is going to get him for wire fraud on using the super PAC's money. Because you can't raise hundreds of millions of dollars from your idiot MAGA morons telling them, give me money so I can investigate election fraud, and then turn around 
and use it to pay all your lawyers. That is the definition of wire fraud. If you walk up to a MAGA moron, they get indignant. No way. Fake news. Trump, meanwhile, is trying to install his idiot daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, who's married to his idiot son, Eric. He's trying to make her chairwoman of the RNC. Lara has gone on record saying that Republicans would be more than happy to know that their donations went to her father-in-law's legal fees. Sure they would. The Republican parties, the state parties in Minnesota, Michigan, Arizona, and Georgia broke. Can't pay, can't pay the rent. And that's thanks to Trump. They can't pay their bills. And thanks to Trump, nobody's donating. Big donors, people with real money, you think they want to pay his legal fees? They know where that money's going. Trump is desperately trying to come up with money, and he's imagining a big pool of cash sitting over at the RNC. There isn't, but he wants it. Whatever's there, he wants it. So I'm going to make Lara the chairwoman. And, of course, he's lying, saying that uh, if Lara becomes chairwoman of the RNC, we're not going to use the RNC war chest to pay Trump's legal fees. We don't need it. But uh, Trump, the Trump family, is blocking a resolution introduced by Asa Hutchinson that forbids any money donated to the RNC from being used to pay Donald Trump's legal fees. Trump is blocking that resolution. It's a bust out. That's what he does. This is mobster stuff. You, you, you just take over a business and bill it out of existence. Trump is trying to squeeze every penny out of the Republican Party. All the donations. Don't donate to anybody other than Donald Trump. It's my party, and I get all the donations. And those donations don't go to any down-ballot candidates or even to my presidential campaign. They go to my lawyers and maybe the fines. If I can move some money around, they'll pay my fines. There is talk. Now, this, it's probably not true, but I have heard that one of his gambits is to declare bankruptcy for what would be the seventh time just like rudy giuliani just did when you get these judgments against you you declare bankruptcy people are saying uh it's why he took permanent residence in florida and supposedly he's trying to shuffle as many assets secretly down to florida as possible Florida has bankruptcy laws that make it really hard for creditors to collect. It's why O.J. Simpson moved there after he lost the civil trial. So, what does Trump have? What does he have? He's got one last card up his sleeve. The one financial lifeline Trump has, Truth Social, 
After leaving office and leading an insurrection, he got kicked off Twitter. So Trump started his own social media platform called Truth Social. It's been losing money, like everything Trump does. It's been losing money. But somehow, because of a SPAC, I don't even understand what SPACs are, uh, Truth Social is merging with another company. And then, supposedly, the joint operation will be publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange with the letters DJT, Donald J. Trump. Now, he's done that before when his casinos were publicly traded. You could buy stock, and the symbol was DJT. Bankrupt? Bankrupt? If you bought stock in DJT? Bankrupt? You lost all your money. But now DJT again, that's going to be the ticker symbol. DJT, supposedly, the deal is supposed to be finalized by the end of March. And supposedly, Donald Trump is going to pocket $4 billion. That's what we're being told. Well, how does he pocket $4 billion? That would require him to sell all the DJT stock the minute he gets it because he's got to come up with half a billion dollars. So he's not, he doesn't have to sell all $4 billion, but he could sell supposedly half a billion dollars worth of that stock. But he's not allowed to. He's not allowed to sell any of that stock for six months right after the deal goes through. He's got to wait six months because it's unfair to other shareholders if the majority stakeholder in the company takes it public and then immediately bails on it. The price will, if Donald Trump takes the company public and immediately starts selling, the price goes down. So he has to wait six months. He's got to come up with half a billion dollars like next week or in two weeks. So there is talk that maybe that six-month window will be waived and he'll be able to sell some, some of those shares. But who knows if the merger is going to go through because we've just heard that Trump is being sued by the original investors in Truth Social who say, They're being screwed by Donald Trump. Imagine that. Donald Trump, how dare you talk that way about this piece of shit? So he wants Truth Social to go public this month. But it's starting to look like the courts could be used on him to delay, delay, delay Donald Trump's big payday. And who knows if it's really going to be a payday. And who knows if the merger will ever go through because it's got to be voted on by shareholders. And there have already been several investigations by the SEC that have resulted in fines. This truth social, whatever you're going to call it, DJT, uh, public offering, it reeks like everything, including Donald Trump. It, it stinks to high heaven. Donald Trump stinks to high heaven, and everything, every business deal he is involved with stinks to high heaven. Truth Social never made any money. It was always losing money. But somehow, 
we're being led to believe that he's going to have $4 billion by the end of the month. I don't think so. So, if you're still upset about the Supreme Court making us wait until April to hear arguments on presidential immunity, remember the Fulton County District Attorney's RICO trial is unaffected by the Supreme Court's ruling on immunity. It's a state trial, just like the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal trial. It's immune from presidential immunity. And the whole delay tactic of trying to disqualify Fonnie Willis because of a love affair with the lead prosecutor, well, that's completely fallen apart. So we should expect that RICO trial to begin sometime in the fall. Well, it's already begun. There are 19 co-defendants. Four have already made deals, have pled guilty, three of whom were Trump's lawyers. They all flipped. Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, one of the co-defendants down there, he lost another bid yesterday to get his trial severed and placed in a federal courtroom. Mark Meadows is a rat. He's big trouble for Donald Trump. He's already flipped in the D.C. election interference trial. It's going to be a key witness, and no doubt he'll flip in Georgia. And then there's Rudy Giuliani, who wants to flip, but there's nothing he has to offer Fonnie Willis other than spending the rest of his miserable life in prison. Enjoy the meal. Chew it. Let it roll around in your tongue. Savor each morsel. This is the mop-up for March 1st, 2024. I'm David Feldman. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed and share it with your friends by copying and pasting the link into an email, a text message, or on social media. Like I always say, the only reason you're listening to me right now is because somebody shared me. So if you, if you want to help me out, share the show. I'm not part of uh, any network. I'm not a super PAC like the Midas Touch. I think they're a super PAC. Uh, This is, you know, so I need all the help I can get. Thank you for listening, by the way. The Gazan Health Ministry reports 100 Palestinians were killed, 700 injured while waiting in line for food in northern Gaza. This brings the death toll in Gaza to 30,000. Volker Turk, the UN's High Commissioner for Human Rights, says 100,000 Palestinians are either dead, missing, or injured since fighting broke out. The Gaza Health Ministry says 700,000 Palestinians in northern Gaza are suffering from starvation. President Biden has been touting a ceasefire that he thought would begin on Monday, but yesterday, on a visit to our southern border, President Biden said yesterday's killing is going to most definitely delay a ceasefire that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says is unlikely to happen 
anytime soon. Democratic Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib from Michigan is the only Palestinian-American serving in Congress. When fighting in Gaza first began, she told Joe Biden that she and the large Arab-American community in and around Detroit will remember his silence come November. She has refused, she's a Democrat, she has refused to endorse Joe Biden. Tuesday's Michigan primary saw Biden winning by a landslide with 81% of the votes, but coming in second with 14% was uncommitted. This is the protest vote against Joe Biden's unwavering support for Israel. Uncommitted is carrying its message into Super Tuesday, hoping to come in second again in Minnesota. And then the following week, Uncommitted will challenge Joe Biden in Washington State, where the largest union there, United Food and Commercial Workers of Washington State, endorsed Uncommitted, not Joe Biden. Migrants are not criminals. That's according to a new study by NBC News. NBC News cites a Pew Research poll showing that 57% of Americans say that migrants allowed into America eventually commit crimes. It's not true. I've been telling you this is a lie, okay? 85% of Republicans say migrants bring crime with them, while only 31% of Democrats believe this lie. NBC News went over the crime stats. They specifically examined Operation Lone Star. Operation Lone Star is Texas Governor Greg Abbott's cruel and inhumane deportation of migrants out of Texas via bus and plane where they are sent to blue states, blue cities to punish liberals. Abbott has spent tens of millions of dollars on Operation Lone Star, money that could be better spent clothing, feeding, and housing the migrants, and even more importantly, getting them to parts of America where they are desperately needed, places like Kansas and Pittsburgh, which are begging for the migrants to be sent there because they don't have enough workers. But that's not what Greg Abbott wants to do. He wants to punish blue cities and the migrants. And he doesn't want them here because he's a bigot, because they're brown. And he's a believer in the replacement, the great replacement theory. Brown people are going to replace white people. Our immigration policy or the problems we have with our immigration policy policy has always been racism, bigotry. According to NBC News, Operation Lone Star has shipped the migrants to, these are blue cities, New York City, Chicago, Denver, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles. And the data shows that crime has dropped, not increased. Crime has dropped since Greg Abbott began sending migrants to New York City, Chicago, Denver, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles. 
Since the migrants arrived, it is now safer in New York City, Chicago, Denver, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles. New York, uh, 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 NBC News says crime increased in Washington, D.C. during the same period, but it has nothing to do with the migrants. And here's a really important nugget. NBC News cites a recent study of crime in Greg Abbott's Texas, showing that undocumented Americans are significantly less likely to commit a crime than Texans with citizenship. It is a lie that migrants bring crime. Trump, the Republican Party, this entire so-called migrant crisis is a lie. The same way the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, and supply-side economics were all lies. Joe Biden accepting a $5 million bribe from Burisma is a flat-out lie. But this is the only way Republicans can win when your entire purpose is to cut taxes for the wealthiest Americans. You will say and do anything to get stupid people to vote for you. The Republican Party has one job. Reduce taxes for the richest 1%. Say and do whatever you have to to get the, the, the idiots in America to vote for you. Stupid people believe these lies because the lies are simplistic and stupid people need simplistic lies. It's the migrants who are stealing from you. It's the migrants. No, it's Jeff Bezos, the Walton family, and all those other billionaires who refuse to pay livable wages and their taxes. But blame the migrants. The Republican Party... Everything they say is a lie. Their biggest lie? That they're Christians. That's their big lie. That they're pro-life. Albert Trumpstein. I call him Albert Trumpstein. Let me go wide on I love this. This is Albert Trumpstein. <laughs> this is Donald Trump. It's uh, Donald Trump's uncle, Albert Trumpstein. Isn't that great? That's amazing. (laughs) That's Donald Trump. That's Albert Einstein. He's a very brilliant man. Albert Trumpstein paid a visit to the border yesterday, and he's been singing the same song since he came down the escalator in 2015. Mexico, the migrants, their drug dealers, criminals, and rapists. Lies. It's a lie. During yesterday's visit to the border, this is what he said of the migrants. People, these are people who don't speak languages. We have languages coming into our country. Nobody that speaks those languages. They're truly foreign languages. Nobody speaks them. Well, you know, uh, languages can be foreign. And people do speak to them. These are people who don't speak languages. We have languages coming into our country. Nobody 
that speaks those languages. They're, these are people who don't speak languages? What does that mean, that they don't speak languages? How are they communicating? Through a series of grunts, mumbles, and snorts? I think you've confused them with your voters, Donald Trump. We have languages coming into our country. Nobody speaks them. Yes, they do. It's called Spanish. Estupido. It's called Spanish. Maybe a little Portuguese, but mostly Spanish, which practically everyone in America either speaks or should learn how to speak. But Trump voters are so stupid, they think if someone is bilingual, it can be cured through prayer. Because Americans are so stupid, a majority of them believe Trump is stronger on the border than Joe Biden is. He's not. But there's talk now that Biden has cornered Trump on the border issue. Now, when it comes to the border, Biden doesn't need to get a majority of Americans to think he's stronger on the border than Trump is. All he needs to do is diffuse the issue, make it less important come November. And the way he does that is by reminding voters every day that the Senate last month had a border bill, bipartisan. It was the most comprehensive border bill in nearly 30 years, and Senate Republicans supported it. But as, he, as we all know, Trump called Speaker Mike Johnson and said, no border bill. Under no circumstances are you to pass anything regarding the border. I need this migrant crisis to run on in November. And if you pass this border bill now, it will make Joe Biden look good. So kill it. Now, that's a fact. And that needs to be repeated every minute of every hour of every day until the elections. There was a bipartisan border bill. Trump killed it because he needs the crisis. That's a fact. And we need to keep repeating that fact more than Trump repeats the lie. There was a border bill. It was bipartisan. It was the most comprehensive border bill in 30 years. Trump ordered it to be killed because the only thing he can run on is the migrants. Can't run on the economy. We've got one of the hottest economies in 60 years. He's got to run on pure bigotry and hate, the migrants. Now, Biden and Trump both visited the border yesterday, and Biden was brilliant. In his speech, he said to Trump, made a speech, and he screamed out to Trump, instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me. Again, the migrant lie has been repeated on Fox News for decades. And it's hard to compete when a lie gets so deeply entrenched because it's just repeated. But Biden is cornering Trump. We had a bill, but you killed it. Why don't you support it? A partial government shutdown scheduled for late tonight seems to have been temporarily averted. There's a laddered continuing resolution in place 
The first one is scheduled to expire tonight, but now thanks to a last-minute agreement, that deadline has been extended until March 8th, and the second deadline has been extended until March 22nd. The extension passed in the Republican-controlled House, 320 to 99, with nearly half of the Republican caucus voting in favor of it. Democrat Tom Suozzi was sworn in as the newest member of Congress. He won a special election last month. He replaces George Santos, who was thrown out of the House for you name it. Santos was a Republican, got replaced by Suozzi, a Democrat. That means Mike Johnson now can only afford to lose two Republicans on any piece of legislation. Can you hear that noise? That's that's the dentist. That's the dentist's office next door. He's not a good dentist. He's about 105 and hasn't updated his equipment in nearly 50 years. Anyway, Mike Johnson can only afford to lose two Republicans on any piece of legislation, which means all it takes is three Republicans to go against him. Now, we are not going to see a budget for 2024 passed anytime soon. It was supposed to be passed in October. They're supposed to be working on the 2025 budget that has to be up and in place in October of this year. What I'm hearing is that Republicans in the House want to force a continuing resolution that lasts until the end of the fiscal year. Because You hear that? That is, that is the dentist drilling somebody's teeth. <laughs> uh, to live in New York City. Who needs sleep, right? Who needs peace and quiet? Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, so we're not going to see a budget for 2024. And I'm being told that Republicans in the House want to force a continuing resolution next month that lasts until October. So we'll have no budget. We'll just have a continuing resolution. And they want this because hidden in the Fiscal Responsibility Act that Biden and McCarthy ironed out in June to raise the debt ceiling. Remember that? Contained within the Fiscal Responsibility Act is a poison pill that says if there's no budget by April, then spending for the rest of the year is slashed 1%. So I think that's the next fight we're going to see. I think the Republicans are going to want one last continuing resolution, no budget for 2024, and a 1% cut across the board that's the next battle which i think begins on monday congressman mark green who chairs the house homeland security committee announced his retirement last month but then said yesterday he's changed his mind after receiving a call from donald trump green's homeland security committee orchestrated the articles of impeachment for Homeland Security Director Alejandro Mayorkas 
And after Mayorkas was impeached, Green said, my work here is done. I'm retiring. (laughs) That was his signature piece of legislation, a bullshit impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas. But Trump seems to have pulled him back in. Mitch McConnell announced he will step down as Republican leader of the Senate after the November election. Now, no fan of Moscow Mitch, but losing McConnell is frightening. He, he's horrible, but he was able to, able to keep something resembling a check on Trump. As long as he could load up the courts with bigots, fascists, sexists, Mitch McConnell was happy. But unlike Trump, he is an institutionalist. He, he did work <clears throat> with uh, Chuck Schumer. He's not a wrecking ball. He didn't vote to convict Trump during the impeachments. Uh, I'm not going to defend Mitch McConnell. I'm just telling you what comes next is going to be a lot worse. A lot worse. They're going to turn... The, we've had, because of Mitch McConnell, the Senate have been, the Senate Republicans kind of been the adults in the room uh, to the children in the House. Trump gets his arms around the Senate. It's pure MAGA, pure MAGA. John Thune is the House, the Senate whip, Republican whip. Many believe McConnell chose him to be his heir apparent. He's doing like a soft campaign to replace McConnell. But Trump is getting involved in the race to replace McConnell and has anointed Montana Senator Steve Daines. This is unheard of. Where a former president, possibly, God forbid, assumed to be president, starts making calls to control the leadership of the Senate. It's what he did with the House. He anointed McCarthy and then he anointed Mike Johnson. In many ways, it's not officially, but in many ways, it's a violation of the separations of power. A future president should not be picking the leaders of the House and the Senate. This is fascism. Texas Senator John Cornyn says he's running for the post. And Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said Cornyn would be a bad pick because he's anti-Trump and anti-gun. Cornyn responded by saying, hard to run from prison, Ken. Cornyn was making a reference to Ken Paxton, the Attorney General, the Republican Attorney General of Texas, who was impeached last year and and then was tried in the Texas Senate. He was accused of accepting bribes. He had a mistress, uh, but they failed to convict him. He goes on trial, however, in a few weeks in a federal courtroom for pretty much the same charges, bribery. That's your Republican Party. That's your Republican Party. One hour a week, dedicate one hour a week, work for your local Democratic Party, pay attention to the school boards, the city council, 
on a granular level, work for the Democratic Party. There'll be plenty of time for infighting after November. We can go back to hating Joe Biden. But right now, he's the greatest president of my lifetime. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you to everyone in the chat room. I don't know if Bob is here, but thank you for keeping the, uh, the chat room civil. And uh, please leave comments. Tell me why you're voting for Do- why you're voting for Donald Trump. Why you're voting for for Joe Biden? Not going to let. Not interested in a debate. I want to know why you're voting for Joe Biden. If you're not voting for Joe Biden, go listen to some other podcast. It's not subject to debate here. Your your comments will be deleted. Uh, I want to know why you're voting for Joe Biden. Once again, I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. 